Well, good morning, Whitewater in the room online. I know there is some, there are some happy people today. You got Buckeye fans happy. This is like all the planets are aligning. My UK team and teammates are happy. UK, come on now. And UC, are you kidding me? Clifton beat the Catholics. It was wonderful. I just, I just, and the Bengals won. All the planets are aligning. And I heard we had some great dudes at Dudes Day. I was down in Tennessee uh, uh, meeting with some uh, Bible college uh, leaders and some pastors on how to uh, diminish preachers leaving the ministry, and I, I miss Dude Day. But I heard Tizovich, and he's got some dodgeball skills. I heard about that. I'm sure you'll be hearing about it later, but could we just take a breath, breathe in with me? I want to spend some time on the counselor's couch, which we do from time to time. It's time. Breathe in. Exhale a little bit. Just for today. Some time ago, I heard about a middle-aged businessman who was suffering from severe anxiety, and the business guy went to the doctor, and the doctor says, well, here's what you need to do. You need to take up the game of golf to relax. That guy said, listen, dude, I've played golf. It stresses me out even more than normal. He said, well, I want you to go back and play again, except this time I want you to play in an unusual way. I want you to go out and play with your clubs, but use an imaginary ball. He said, just imagine the ball going exactly where you want it to go. He said, it's worth a try. I'm pretty stressed out. So he went out to the golf course. He got up to the first tee, took out his driver, swung. Imagine that ball. He saw it in his mind, went 250 yards right down the middle of the fairway, took out his eight iron, hit it. John Tizovich should play golf like this. Anyway, hit his eight iron. Man, he imagined that ball went right up on the green. He walked up on the green with his putter. He two-putted in his mind for an easy par. He said, this is all right. Played a couple holes, enjoyed himself. Another guy noticed that he, what he was doing on a hole next to him, and he told him how the doctor had prescribed him to play with an imaginary ball. The guy said, do you, do you think I could join you? I've been playing golf for years. It stresses me out too. So the two of them started playing 18 holes together with their imaginary balls. They enjoyed the walk. They enjoyed the conversation, the scenery, until they realized as they stood in the middle of the 18th fairway on the last hole, they realized they were tied The first guy took out his club and swung, and he said, look at that. It's going toward the green. It's going toward the pin. It's heading toward the cup. It's in the cup. I hold it out. It's in the cup. The other guy said, you just hit my ball. <laughs> anyway, uh, we want to work on the mind today. We want to work on the mind on this series because I don't know if you know it, but we're living in a pretty anxious and competitive and stressful world. But even though we are stressed out, I can assure you this morning that God is not. In fact, he predicted this over in Luke 21. Jesus said that one of the characteristics of the end times, the last days of which I believe we are so living in, he said, in the last days, men's hearts would fail because of fear. Here's the verse. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is going to be coming in the world apprehension. We are a tension, anxiety-ridden people right now, and we're not handling it very well. As I met even yesterday in Tennessee with other 
Bible college professors and leaders and leaders of our non-denominational churches of Christ and other people who are networking, one thing was apparently clear to me. All of us in ministry right now are stressed out. All of us who serve Jesus in this day and age are stressed and anxious. It, it's doing something to our mind. We worry more than we ever have. And with COVID, JT and I have noticed that people in this uh, Kubler-Ross progress of grief and dying and loss, they've gone straight from grief right to anger. They're just mad. And I've never seen any pe people more mad and angry and taking sides except for Jesus' side than I have right now. In fact, Dr. Rollo May, the noted sci psychologist, said anxiety is now the official emotion of our age. Anxiety is now the official emotion of our age. I got some statistics from my daughter, Amanda Porter, who has a PhD in psychiatry and integrative mental health. And she keeps me apprised of this because she works out at the Linder Center of Hope, right at the epicenter of mental health care in our town. She said 40 million people, she told me, in the U.S. are now living with some kind of anxiety disorder. According to the National Alliance on Mental Health, one in five humans are affected in some way by a mental health issue every year, which means every person in America likely either has a loved one or suffers themselves from a mental health issue. And here's what's more alarming by what she gave me. Studies are showing that anxiety and depression when untreated or undertreated is leading to suicide in epidemic proportions. It's growing annually, according to the CDC. The CDC also revealed how mental health issues are wrecking our kids and our future. Mental health is literally, she wrote, wiping out the next generation. I believe that's true. So I thought we would spend a few minutes today, and if I could just sit on this chair, and if you could imagine yourself sitting on that couch, not laying down, <laughs> some of us need to do that too, and let's just spend a few minutes to this morning talking about, for today, our mental health. JD did a good job. JT did a good job last week talking about this. By the way, Don and I attended at the nine o'clock service last Sunday, and then we volunteered at the at eleven o'clock, working with four-year-olds last weekend, <laughs> back in Harbor Town. We want to be the example, not the exception. So Don and I enjoyed the nine o'clock JT's message and headed back there. Can I just tell you what an awesome job they're doing in Harbor Town back there? It, it is simply awesome. It is awesome. And I encourage you to do what we have done. Go back there and volunteer. They need some folks serving. It's not pediatric purgatory back there. I'm telling you, it's a, it was a joy. But last week, JT shared this passage from Philippians 4, and I want to read it to you again in the message translation. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. I love that, settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ, display, Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Mm. Man, what a great verse. 
What a great verse. Because what Paul is teaching us and what he's teaching me, whether I'm on the golf course with an imaginary ball or not, he's teaching me this. Worry is useless and worry is lethal. I heard about a pastor who shared about a woman in his church who worried for 30 years that she had cancer. 30 years. Every time she had a pain, she said, I bet it's cancer. She just knew it was cancer. She died at age 73 of pneumonia. She had worried for 30 years about the wrong disease. What are you most worried about right now? And is it helping you or hurting you? How's that working for you? Just being your counselor on the couch where you are, how's worry working for you right now? One of our staff uh, had a grandparent that was playing with a Ouija board one time when they were younger. And the Ouija board told him he would die in an accident if he traveled. At least that's what he thought the Ouija board said. And from that point on, he had dreams about it, nightmares about it, anxiety about it. And his anxiety was so bad that for the rest of his life, that man rarely drove anywhere outside of his hometown because he knew he was going to be in an accident, according to the Ouija board. For decades... He didn't drive and go anywhere off his street, and that lasted his entire lifetime till he died. He was a prisoner in his mind. Tragic, is it not? See, excessive worry is really an exercise in futility and energy. It, worry, trust me, I've, I'm a student of this, it doubles our trouble. Someone said that worrying is enjoying a crisis before it arrives. My dad used, was very fond of saying to me when I would always lament or worry or be concerned about something, he said, son, 95% of the stuff you worry about is not going to happen, and the other 5% is going to happen whether you worry about it tonight or not. So let me invite you to ask with me to pose and answer a few specific questions today from this counseling couch. First question is this. Why do you think anxiety and worry is more of a problem today than ever before? Have you thought about that? Why is it seem to be much more prevalent compared to say like 50 years ago? Let me offer a few possibilities. Number one, the affluence of our age causes us to worry. In Ecclesiastes 5, Solomon says, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. Now, you would think the more you have, the more peace, the more security you will feel, and the less you will worry. You know what I found? Just the opposite is true. The more you possess, the more you have to ensure or protect or preserve or worry about or guard about. About 20 years ago, right before I moved here to Cincinnati, I restored and owned my dream car. It was a 66 Mustang convertible. Oh man, had the pony interior. It was sweet. I drove it all around town, let my hair blow in the breeze. <laughs> I actually had hair back then. I sold it to come since that because it's not a winter weather car. <laughs> We're living in Chesapeake, Virginia Beach area. And you know, I love that car. And for a while, driving it around was awesome. It was just simply awesome. But I began to discover that having that vintage car 
was more of a problem than it was worth. I was always worried that somebody would steal it, so I always kept an eye on it. I would park it in it under a light. I, I was always worried and concerned that somebody would open their car door and ding my car next to it, and so I started parking diagonally, taking up two spaces, and you know that doesn't go over well with people. <laughs> Insurance was not cheap. Parts were hard to find and very expensive. I, have, I found myself starting to park at the end of parking lots and walk a lot further to where there's plenty of room. Every once in a while, I'd hear a little catty comment from somebody in the church. I wish I was a pastor and made that kind of money to buy a classic car like that. It didn't take me long to realize that I didn't own it. It owned me. I was always worried about it raining, especially if I had the top down. You know, sometimes having stuff increases worry. Would you not agree? Some of us worried less in the day when we had less. There's a second thing that I think uh, why worry is more of a problem today. I would call it media hype. Media hype. Because we have access to more immediate uh, coverage 24-7 of urgent and negative news compared to 50 years ago, some of us remember here, and this will reveal a little my age, some of us remember when TV went off like at, at, at midnight. It just went slam off. Started singing, uh, you know, the national anthem. You had three channels, you know, that was it. And it, was a, it wasn't in a remote thing. You had to get up out of your chair and turn it with a dial. And sometimes that thing would break and it, you would go too far and you had to go, do, 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 go all the way around again. <laughs> you might get channel 19 here if you're in Cincinnati. There's a lot more media coverage and hype. And you know, right, JT and others have mentioned this, TV and radio's goal is not to make us informed. It's for them to make money. You realize that, right? I know some of you love Fox or you love CNN or you love all your talk shows. They wouldn't be in business if they weren't making money. It's their job to increase ratings. In order to sell newspapers or increase ratings, media personnel have to convince us that the news of every single day is critical and crucial and we can't miss it. Just one night, just one night, when they come on the TV at 10 p.m. with a teaser, be sure to watch 11 o'clock news tonight. Wouldn't it be cool just one night if they were really honest and said, folks, to be honest with you, nothing really big happened today in the world. We're going to show cartoons tonight. I encourage you to go to bed early. Relax. You think that's ever going to happen? Not a chance. With instant worldwide coverage, we know everything about everyone, whether we want to know it or not. And as I've had multiple conversations with some of you who have told me that I should be doing certain things in COVID and have all these theories and all these things that you are concerned about in the world and nationally, as I say to some of them, what do you want me to do about it right now today? What do you want me to do about eliminating COVID from our world today? Me, David. <laughs> well, I'm trying to do my part with masks and vaccines, but what do you want, and what are you going to do about it? Let me tell you what you're going to do. Worry. Worry. <laughs> There's a little secret of growing older, could I just reveal it to you? I'm in bed before the 11 o'clock news comes on now, <laughs> fast asleep. And I sleep a lot better. One of our younger 
say, so, well, what are you going to do if something big happens? Like the, well, if the world comes to an end, I'll find out about it in the morning. <laughs> I need a good night's sleep. Media hype has caused more worry. I also think our pace of life, our pace of work, is creating the worry and stress these days. Having lived a few years now, I think the anxiety of our modern lifestyle, advanced travel, technology, 21st century expectations, workaholism have changed our habits. We are the most hurried, hassled, hectic, and worried people who have ever lived. And I just wonder, you know, I don't know, I wonder if God designed our nervous system to cope with the kind of extra pressure that we are putting ourselves in these days. So many of you suffer from the fear of missing out. You, you don't want to, that's why you're in tune to everybody all the time. And you're dipping in people's business you have no business being in. It's hard enough to live life on your own. You don't need to welcome drama into your life. But some of us, we have to do everything. Now, I'm really going to meddle a little bit for those of you who have parents. Is it, ne if I have kids, is it necessary for your kid to do every single thing your kid wants to do? Every single hobby, every single sports, every single class, every single activity. I'm telling you, I see some of y'all harried and hurried just running around trying to take care of your kids. Oh, something is good, but as my dad would say, son, pick one thing and that's it. Because I was doing a whole lot. I find myself still doing a lot as I'm older. Years ago, I guess somebody thought I was a little stressed out, and they gave me the book, When I Relax, I Feel Guilty. It's a great book. I'm sure it's good. I haven't had time to read it yet. But uh, the, um, <laughs> I'm too busy. But your life is much like the RPM gauge on the dashboard of a car. There's a red line up there. I don't know if you see it. RPMs get too high, it goes into red line. Some of you have been in this room and watching online have been running on red line for decades now. And if you keep your engine running on red line, you know what's going to happen? Your engine's going to fall apart. There's going to be a breakdown. You're going to get stranded somewhere. There's going to be an accident. One of the things that I love as I studied the life of Jesus is I noticed he was busy. Just as a counselor talking to you now, I noticed he was busy, but he was never in a hurry. There's a difference. Some of us need to be busy, but I don't think we need to be in a hurry. So one of the axioms I've been trying to live by is to eliminate hurry from my life. And if you will ruthlessly eliminate hurry, you might just find yourself eliminating worry. But we're hurried to this and hurried to that. There's a fourth thing, a last thing I would say that causes a lot of anxiety, stress, and worry in our life these days. Family dynamics. Oh. There's one other thing that increases our worry. I think more than anything else, it's family. If I were to ask you today, what's the number one stressor, the number one anxiety producer, the number one worry element of your life? The majority of you would say, don't say it right now, especially they're with you. <laughs> the majority of you would say, my spouse, my kids, they're, they're killing me. Or at a certain age, you start to say, my grandkids. Now, I'm going to just read a little something to you from a late author named Irma Bombeck. <laughs> this is what parents do. They worry. 
One of the dumbest pieces of advice ever given to me by my kids is this, she writes, don't worry. Are they crazy? That's my job. I elevate, I've elevated worrying to an art form. This means I can take something as insignificant as mom, I'm staying home on New Year's Eve, so don't worry about me, and I'll lie awake all night wondering why my son has no social life. If one of them drives an old car, I worry that it might break down on a dark road, that the car will die and so will they. If he or she takes a vacation, I worry they can't afford it. If they stay home, I think they'll, they'll kill themselves with stress. If he changes jobs, I worry my son is unstable. If he stays at one job too long, I worry that he's in a rut and he'll never get ahead. If he eats too much, I worry about his cholesterol. If he looks too thin, I worry he has an eating disorder. The other night, my husband said to me, do you realize all three of our kids are employed and their cars are running? You have nothing to worry about. Fool, I said to him, how long can that last? <laughs> it's a parent's job to worry. And into this weary and worried world at which I just described, Jesus Christ has the audacity to say this in Matthew 6, it's our scripture every week. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. I'm going to look at them in just a minute. They do not sow or reap or soar away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much more valuable? Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, the world, runs after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. I don't have anxiety. Don't stress about it. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Did you notice in this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus says multiple times, do not worry, do not worry, do, do not worry. Now, let me just pause here from the counselor's couch chair and stress something important to you. I think it's important you understand the difference between being concerned and being worried or anxious. See, concern focuses on probable difficulties and anticipates them and produces action. Anxiety focuses on the improbable and produces inaction. Je Jesus is a fan of planning ahead, being concerned about some of the elements of the future. He, he, would, he said one time, nobody builds a tower without first sitting down and calculating the cost. Otherwise, he'll get halfway done and he can't finish. Jesus said no king would ever go out to war without calculating what the odds are of him winning. So when Jesus says, don't worry here, He's not saying don't buy life insurance, don't invest or save for the future, don't fasten the seatbelt of your car, don't buy a smoke alarm. That's not what he's saying. He's saying in this text, don't worry about the stuff that you cannot control. 
Sometimes the best way I found in my life to overcome worry and anxiety is to simply do what is right in front of me and take action on what I can control. Students, you're worried about your grades. <laughs> Here's a thought. <laughs> Why don't you study? <laughs> Some of you adults, you're worried about your marriage. Here's an idea. Why don't you go to a counselor? Worried about your finances? Why don't you sit down with a great financial planner in our church and do a budget? Sometimes we need to be concerned and just takes action. But anxiety focuses on the improbable. It's all, here's, what, here's the two words of worry. What if? What if? And we always imagine the worst case scenario, don't we? What if? What if my plane crashes? What if I lose my job? What if I get COVID? What if there's a terrorist attack? What if? What if? What if? Jesus says you cannot live. You're not wired designed to live in the land of what if, what might happen. Unless you are positive and you're thinking, what if something positive is going to happen? <laughs> but you know what I found out? Only about 5% of people in the world imagine a positive outcome. And I could just be vulnerable because I've spent some time on this couch on the other side talking about the things that worry me as a leader and as a pastor and as a father and as a husband, as a grandfather, and as a pastor of this church, there's a lot on my mind that I worry about. And the only way I've been able to get off that couch and continue to lead is I have learned the everyday habit of believing God in his word, that he is in control, that all things work together for good. Doesn't say all things are good. All things work together for good. And I just trust God. I have just learned the science, I, I don't know, maybe the art of thinking that the best is yet to come, not the worst. And if the worst does come, God will handle it and not me. I kind of have a Messiah complex. That's a whole other conversation I have had on the couch. So these are the things that worry us. This is the scripture that tells us why it's wrong as well. Did you catch that when Jesus was teaching here? He tells us why worrying is wrong. And he gives two drivers, two special reasons. Number one, he says worry makes us focus on this world. When we worry, we focus on this world. He said that's what the pagans seek or run after. They're always asking Jesus says, what kind of food am I going to eat today? What kind of clothing am I going to wear today? Does it make me look good? Does it make me look fat? Does it make me look thin? Is it in style? Is it not? All these things, when you think about it, have to do with this earth where we live now. But friend, you as a Christ follower were created and made for another world. Can I just remind you, your body is temporary, your soul is eternal. You are not a body with a soul. You are an eternal soul with a temporary body. Quit acting like everything in this world is all there is. The, the pagans, the worldly people, they seek after the, those things because they have no eternal concerns. So every time I start to get a little stressed out, I will say, will this matter? It's one of my techniques. Will this matter 100 years from now? Does it matter a hundred years from now if the Bengals are going to win? No. Does it matter a hundred years from now if you're 10 pounds overweight? 
if politicians approve the infrastructure bill and raise the debt ceiling? Does it matter 100 years from now if the supply chain going on in our world because of COVID is going to mess up Christmas? Does it matter 100 years from now if you're the most popular person in your school? Does it matter 100 years from now if your car's got a little ding in it? Does it matter if you got crabgrass on your lawn 100 years from now? No, what does matter is spiritual things. Those are things God's going to ask you about. Did you love me? Did you love your neighbor as yourself? Did you fulfill the purposes of God in your generation? That's why the Bible says repeatedly, set your affection on things that are above, not on earthly things below. So Jesus says right here in this text, worry is wrong because it focuses on this world. I also think Jesus is teaching here it's also wrong because it's an evidence of a weak faith in God, a weak faith in God. That's why Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. I love what Oswald Chambers said. He said, worry, when you think about it, is infidelity. It means we don't really believe that God looks after or cares about the details of our life. See, God promises that all things are going to work together for good to those who love him. But worry says, you know what, I don't think they are going to work out well. God's word says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But worry says, I'm not sure that I'm going to go to heaven when I die, even though I know that's what the Bible says. God's word says, I will supply all of your needs according to the riches of Christ Jesus. Worry says, you know, I don't think, God, you're going to supply my needs. Which led the poet years ago to pen these words, said the robin to the sparrow, I would really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. So as I close from the counselor's couch, let me give you a few applications and tools to help you reframe, think differently about your anxiety and overcome your worry. Practical things that Jesus says right here. The Bible, friend, is so practical. It's not boring. Now, preachers may make it boring, but it is not boring. Because you do have to do something. Jesus knows that. And he gives us what to do. You have to do something besides sing the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Y'all remember that song? Do, 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 do. Yeah, Don't Worry, Be Happy. I mean, I'm, I, I, you might want to sing that. But let me give you three quick ones beyond that that come right out of this scripture. When you sense yourself, your worry factor going up, number one, do this. Examine the evidence of God's provision in your life. Examine the evidence of God's provision in your life. Take a look at God's care and look back a little bit in your life and say, you know what? God took care of me then. I'm pretty sure he's going to take care of me now. He said this. Here's what he uses. Consider the birds of the air. If you want an example of God's provision in your life, consider the birds of the air. And I, so I've been considering the birds of the air. I mean, I've been thinking about it. Birds are interesting creatures. I, I, I don't know if you know this. Think about it. Especially when it comes to birds and food. 
Sometimes we'll kid people who don't eat a lot, and we'll say, you know what, you eat like a bird. Have you, have you ever heard anybody say that? You eat like a bird. But I've read and done some study that birds actually eat two or three times their weight in food every day. Did you know this? That means some of you would eat... Uh-oh. I, I, I might be getting in trouble. Some of you would eat a lot. Some of you would eat two... 300 pounds of food. Some of us would eat five, 600 pounds of food a day. That's a lot of food. Yet it says God feeds them every day. The birds, even though they eat that much, they're not worried. You never see a bird at night pacing on a little tree limb. <laughs> oh, I just don't know if there's going to be enough worms for me out there tomorrow. I didn't see many extra worms left when we left last night, did you? And as I have mentioned before in sermons, I've never seen a bummed out bird <laughs> sitting on a branch. These birds are happy in the morning. Tweet, tweet. You never see a bummed out bird. Tweet, tweet. <laughs> tweet, tweet. Jesus says, hey, Consider the birds. You're much more valuable than they are. Consider those lilies of the field. See how they grow? Nobody's out there weeding them, spraying them, cultivating them. Yet Solomon is not dressed any better than they are. And if God takes care of them every day, Jesus says, don't you think I will take care of you? Some of us just don't trust that God's going to take care of us. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the number of hairs on your head, which really isn't much of a miracle for some of us, but he knows. So if you're struggling with worry today, online or in this room, examine God's providence and be thankful. There's something, studies are emerging now about how the more grateful and thankful you are, the less you worry, the less anxiety that you have. David over in the Psalms said this, that's a great promise to claim. I once was young and now I'm old, David said, and yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. So when do you, just a question from the counselor's chair, when are you going to get to the place in your life when you say, you know, God, you provided all those years, I think you're going to continue to do it. How much more is God going to have to do to prove or demonstrate to you that you can trust him? I love the plaque that says, Lord, help me to remember that nothing is going to happen today that you and I can't handle together. So examine the evidence of God's providence when the worry factor goes up. Number two, place your primary emphasis on the spiritual, not the physical, and you'll find your worry to diminish. Seek first his kingdom his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't just say it, practice it, and watch what happens when you put God first. It's, it's like buttoning the top button on your shirt. When you get that one right, all the others fall in line. You get that top button, that priority button off, the shirt's going to look bad. So what does this look like? Even though you're busy, busier than ever, and you could be doing a hundred other things other than tuning in or coming in to service on Sunday, you go to church because God says you need to worship regularly with God's people. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Even though you're busy, you took, put God first, you come. 
Even though there's a lot of financial stress, you give that first part of your income to God. The Bible calls it your first fruits. You give it to him and trust God to provide the rest. I have decided that Christianity is simply trusting God in advance for what will look so obvious in retrospect. I'm trusting him now, but later back I say, man, how, what a fool I was for not trusting how that was going to turn out. But you got to put the primary emphasis on the spiritual, not the physical. Then the last thing, so practical here, Jesus says here, when the worry factor goes up, practice the art of living one day at a time. Mm. One day at a time. Is that not so hard to do? I mean, think about it. Most of us, we live hundreds of days at a time. Days from our past that we can't, we worry about, which will never change. Yesterday was yesterday, friend. How many hours have I spent worried about what I could or should have done yesterday? And we worry about the future, the days to come. Do I have enough saved? Do, is all, what's going to happen to me? Practice the art of living one day at a time. If you want to overcome worry, Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I, I just love the Bible because it's so practical. Notice he doesn't say you're never going to have trouble. You will. Every day is going to have some trouble of its own. He said, again, consider the birds, and this is true. Snakes eat their eggs. The birds got a lot to worry about. Snakes eat their eggs. They have to go south for the winter. That's a concern some of us have. A, a long trip they have to make. Birds die. Birds get hit by cars. I think I hit one this morning on the way in. Birds got a lot to worry about, yet they don't seem to be worried. And for every person listening in this room or online today, I can promise you that somewhere down the road, there is going to be some tough and trying times. But what Jesus is saying is, don't worry about it, because when you get there, I will be there. I work in the future, too. I work upstream in your life and you don't even realize it he will give you what you need for today so don't worry about it take one day at a time that's why jesus said when you pray remember we did our prayer series you pray give me lord give us today our daily bread that's why jesus gave manna in the wilderness to the children of israel one day at a time he didn't want them to store up too much i will supply your need for that day so part of decreasing worry is simply to embrace or cherish or live in the moment, in the present. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, that's a counselor's couch today. Maybe take a breath. Maybe there's something I said that could help you. Man, what rock-solid verses to claim today. And since I'm sitting in the counselor's chair talking to you on the couch, I just want to drill down just for a second on one other thing. Make sure that you don't mistakenly use these verses that we have talked about today from Philippians or the Sermon on the Mount. Don't use these verses as weapons against those among us who are really struggling with depression and anxiety and benefit from prescribed medication. There are some Christ followers do this, especially as we're older. We just say, just get over that. Just move past. Just, just pray. Well-meaning Christians can say, just pray about it. Just trust God. So let, let me just say this as clearly as I can. 
You are not a failure for needing help. You are not a failure for going to a counselor. In fact, I think everyone should do it. You're not a failure for taking or needing medication. It's not evidence of a weakness or a lack of faith on your part. Now, let me hasten to say, medication is not a magic pill that will cure everything. But it's just one tool in the toolbox, along with some others that I've given you today, that will help you reframe this whole conversation for today on mental health. You know, every one of us uh, needs help with our mental health. Would you not agree? Even those of us who look like we have our stuff together, (laughs) we especially need it. I was thinking this morning when I woke up, I always get a little nervous when I speak, no matter when, even after all these years. I'm like Billy Graham. Someone once asked Billy Graham, do you still get nervous when you preach when he was alive? He said, yes, I still get butterflies. They just fly in formation now. When I'm teaching and preaching, I, I'm, I, I'm nervous. But I had a little bit higher degree today, and I said, how ironic is this, that I have anxiety teaching a sermon on anxiety. How messed up is this? So let me just caution you and say once again, every one of us here needs help with our mental health, even when we look like we have our stuff together. I heard about a very depressed man. He'd lost his joy, and he went to a counselor to see if he could get out of his depression. And the counselor said, hey, I got just a remedy for you. He said, there's a huge circus here in town right now, huge. He's, just, I mean, everybody's going. Everybody comes away saying how great it is. They're laughing, and there's a special clown at that circus. He's just hilarious. He's making everybody laugh. Go see that clown, and I bet your happiness will return. To which the man on the couch said, sir, I am that clown. Is that you? I am that clown. What I think this series has allowed us to do, and what I love about JT and the way he leads, he's teaching us to take off our masks and just bring our real self to the real Jesus with our real needs. That God's grace is always greater than our disgrace. So take off the mask. Quit clowning around. (laughs) Jesus and his word is practical and it's powerful. Trust him. Trust these words and watch what God starts to do in your life. Oh, you might need some professional help. I think all of us should. But at the end of the day, do not worry, little children. God is in control. I've been following Jesus a long time and I've never seen him fail yet. He's always on time. He's never late. He's never early. He's right on time, and he'll be on time for you. Man, I hope you have learned something today, benefited from our collective time of gathering online or in person. If you want to pray more, we have some folks down front here that will pray. Excited about baptism. I hear we have a couple more at the next service as well. Just super things that God is doing. You're serving back there in children's ministry or student ministry or in uh, guest services, whatever it is, area you're serving, it's making a difference. Your giving is enabling us to do things like do day and do what we do here. We do what we do. So God does what he does. And your giving helps that. So in the back, in the, there's some boxes there you can give online. So many of you have been so faithful. 
during this season of COVID with your generosity. It has relieved some of the worry and stress and anxiety for JT and I and our elders and our staff as we leave. So thank you for your continued generosity. But I want to pray for you, and then we'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, thank you for these rich words of the Scripture. Help us, God, not to worry. It's so easy to say, but it's hard to do. So help us to reframe our thinking about this, to not imagine the worst case scenario, but imagine in faith the best case scenario. And thank you, God, for being our wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace, Almighty God and Savior today. And may we heed your words of wisdom, God, to fear not. In this world, you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. And we pray that now in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. See you next weekend.